Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Oh, what a weekend. We have so much to get into today, and we have the exact right person to get into it with. Chris, Mad Dog Russo, live in 15 minutes. Hello again, everybody. How are you today? We will see if we can't have a little fun with the Mad Dog as we roll on today. Here we go! Only one place to start. And the place to start is just with the enormity of the sports weekend. And it was Mr. Hembo who pointed this out to me yesterday. And he sent me just a little note here. And I will make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Because when we were at, at the height of the pandemic in its worst moments, when there were absolutely no sports to cover, to enjoy, to take our minds off of our issues, this was the weekend that we had in mind. This is what we dreamt of. This weekend, in no particular order, we have the PGA Championship. We have nine playoff games. I know they don't consider tonight's game a playoff game, but that's ridiculous. The winner of tonight's game goes on. The loser goes home. If that's not a playoff game, I think we need to reconsider the definition. So to me, we've got nine NBA playoff games. We have 12 NHL playoff games. We have 45 Major League Baseball games, including monster series, White Sox-Yankees this weekend, Cubs-Cardinals this weekend, Dodgers-Giants. Don't look now, the Giants are the hottest team in baseball. Those are huge series this weekend. UFC Fight Night is tomorrow. Junior welterweight unification bout is tomorrow. Championship Sunday in the English Premier League, which Nuno will explain at some point after the show is over today, exactly what that means to me. And then the Monaco Grand Prix is coming up on Sunday. So no matter what your taste is, no matter what you like, you know, I mean, some people like steak and some people like spaghetti and some people like wine and some people like beer, whatever you like. If you are a sports fan, the menu definitely has options this weekend. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Again, Mad Dog Russo will join us in a few minutes. And go through a whole bunch of that. Let me very quickly introduce the members of the hashtag crew who are assembled today. Hembo, you were doing like a little dance a few minutes ago. Are you cold in here? It was a tad bit chilly. I was doing some high knees and some butt kicks to warm myself up. <laughs> <laughs> was I not? Is that it? Well, you were doing something. I don't know if that's what I would have called it. Oh. Is that what those are when you lift your legs up like that? Yeah, I'll show, you, I'll, I'll show you later. Okay, I, I would prefer that you didn't. Uh, and then uh, hashtag <laughs> Bubba is with us today as always. He will have who you got a little bit later in this program. Bubs, how we feeling on this Friday heading into a big sports weekend. All right. No high knees over here. No, no, no. You're a man of very low knees. Uh, <laughs> no, one, no one's knees. Uh, Bubba's knees are practically scraping the ground most of the time. Uh, and then there's Nuno, who is with us this morning as well, frantically putting, I don't know what exactly what you're doing, Nuno, but I see my screen freaking out to the left of me. So you're obviously working at a feverish pace. How are you today? I'm good, Greeny. But like, what are we doing here? How uh, how am I today? Yes. Oh, that's. Uh, let me rephrase the question. Mm. What's going on, Nuno? Not much. There you go. Yeah, he's, he's he is the king of the not much. <laughs> I'm just guessing, Nuno, being a man of your age and having been raised where you were, that the idea that we have Mad Dog Russo coming on today is exciting to you. I'm be, I'm beyond excited. Yeah. This, this is great. He he is of the age where he grew up with Mike and the Mad Dog, and, and so I knew that he would be excited as we have Chris on. I was on his show a couple of weeks ago when I was getting ready for the draft, and he was very nice there, and we were looking for some baseball insight today, and we thought, what better place to get it than the man who throws high heat himself, right, on the Major League Baseball Network. I we will have him every on. Day. Okay, so we have him uh, today. We had Charles Barkley yesterday on Get Up, and there was a lot there. 
Now, Barkley brought up the whole LeBron legacy thing, which got Stephen A. all upset, and, and that sort of took us away from almost anything else we were doing. But buried underneath that was maybe the most interesting thing Charles Barkley said. When I asked him, where do you see the pressure in this year's NBA postseason, he did not hesitate. Brooklyn is a team. They're under the most pressure. They manufactured that team together. James bullied his way out of Houston. The Brooklyn Nets are the team that's under the most pressure. They have to win the championship or bust. True. And if they're under the most pressure. They're under the most pressure out of any team in the NBA. When you when when you got those three guys, it's championship or bust, plain and simple. I think that's right. I, I do. I, I think that there is that level of pressure. The question is, what exactly does that pressure mean there? Which is to say, I think there's pressure on Harden, but it is actually slightly blunted by the fact that if this doesn't go right, that blame will kind of be spread around a little bit. I mean, obviously, all this will depend on exactly how it is they lose if they lose. The conversation we're having here obviously presupposes they don't win the championship. In the event that they lose, where does the the finger get pointed? Clearly, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out before we can say it definitively. But I think that James Harden became the reason Houston didn't go further in the playoffs because he was the man. It was his team. He didn't play huge, and they didn't win. If this team doesn't win, is it on Harden or is it on Durant? Or is it on Kyrie, who everyone likes to blame for things for a lot of obvious reasons, and sometimes sometimes those are fair and sometimes they are not? So again, we can't really say with definitiveness who's going to get the blame if this thing goes sideways because we have to see how it plays out. Those are three options. But I would say by by the simple nature of there being three, it is slightly distilled. I think the pressure is slightly lessened because they have each other to deal with. This is not like when LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh got together. That was all about LeBron. When they lost that first year to Dallas, people weren't ripping Wade, and they weren't ripping Bosh. They were ripping LeBron. A part of that was that he didn't play well in the finals. But the other part of it is that there was one definitive central figure in that group. We really don't have that here. In this case, Nuno, is it an accurate statement to say this really is the ultimate three-headed monster to the extent that I think the pressure on, attention to, and significance for all three of them are pretty much equal. Correct. Unless one of them completely bombs in the playoffs, I think they're all going to catch uh, heat for this. Right. And, and, but just by the very nature of that, I think it diminishes a little bit the pressure because it's spread out. Why are you shaking your head at I'm, me? I'm not so sure because Kevin Durant's won multiple finals MVPs. He's done it. Kyrie Irving made one of the biggest shots in the history of the NBA finals. He's done it. James Harden hasn't done it. And so that, that, we still haven't checked that box off his list. I, I get that. I, I guess what I'm saying is if you assembled a team around James Harden and it lost, you would blame Harden. In this case, they assembled a team and then brought James Harden in. They hadn't won. It's not like he's, he's, he's breaking anything up. Yes, he has the most heat on him to at least the extent that he hasn't done it before. But mm-hmm. I also think this is going to sound ridiculous. I, of the three, I think he's the least likely to be the reason they don't win. Hmm. I, that may sound insane considering his postseason history. 
But I think part of his postseason history is that he was depended upon to score 40 points a night on those Houston teams. He's not. He's really the true point guard on this team. He could score 22 points and with triple doubles, you know, one of these like 19 assists kind of games. I, I think that's what is expected of him on this team. There's also no Warriors like juggernaut in the East like there was that he was running into seemingly every single year. They're the juggernaut. That's probably fair. But when I considered who's under the most pressure this postseason, I put a couple of names down on the list. I don't think it's LeBron. For a change, I think it isn't LeBron. Look, I guess if he goes out there and just plays terribly, then maybe we reassess. But by and large, if that team doesn't win the championship this year, and it isn't very obviously his fault, I don't think it has an enormous impact on him. It certainly isn't Steph. Steph has had the best season from an historical perspective of any of the players in this. This season, we spent most of the show yesterday talking about it, elevated Steph enormously. So who is under the most pressure? In the West, I'd say Paul George. I'd say Paul George because, to your line of thinking a moment ago, Hembo, Kawhi has done it. So if this team comes up short, I don't think you point the finger at Ty Lue, and I don't think you point the finger at Kawhi. I think you point it at, at, at Paul George, at playoff P, with all the criticism that we've seen in the past. So I think the pressure is on him, especially, especially with them tanking the last two games <laughs> of the season to avoid the Lakers. They've set up their route. They've set the journey they want. They have a very makeable path to the NBA Finals. This is the, this is the path they chose themselves. This is the business they have chosen. I think the most pressure is on him. And then in the East, we talk about Harden. We talk about Kyrie. You'll hear people say Giannis. I think it's on the guys in Philly. Hmm. I think it is on Embiid and Simmons. Because I think for the first time, people look at them and they say, this should be their year. They're the one seed. They had a great season, and Bede really seemed to have taken a step forward. Their ability to play together seems to really have improved. They've got the coach in place that they like now. I think that once and for all, this is the referendum on whether Embiid and Simmons are ever going to do it or not. And more, than, more so than any team in the league, I think they have the clearest path to the conference finals, more so than any other team in the sport. To the conference finals. Yeah. But that's where Brooklyn will be sitting. Most likely. And so we'll wait and see. So that's where I think the pressure is. We'll talk about that and more as we continue. Greeny presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Don't miss Chris Russo. He will join us. Lots of baseball and more with the Mad Dog next right here. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. KJZ. When KD thinks about who are the best players in the game, he loves Michael Jordan. You know why? Michael Jordan had the complete arsenal. And I'm not saying I'm speaking for KD, but like, all right, like, you're honest, you're good, but you're not me. Want more from the NBA? Don't miss Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Monday morning starting at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Christopher Mad Dog Russo in 30 seconds on the Goodyear Hotline. I'll spend those 30 seconds reminding you about ZipRecruiter. You know, you're a baseball fan. You know you're going to games this season. You can sit in pods with your group. That's just an example of how businesses everywhere are making the gradual shift towards normalcy, which means more hiring. And that's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job and invites them to apply. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free only at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. It is, as I mentioned, one of the really great sports weekends we've had in a long time. So much going on. We will start with baseball and get to a whole lot more with Sirius XM Mad Dog Radio's very own Mad Dog, Christopher Russo, who joins us on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Christopher Russo. Michael, always a pleasure, pal. How you doing? Okay, pal? Things good? <laughs> I'm doing great. And I was going to do your intro for you, but I like it better when you do. Give me a quick uh, good morning. Or yeah, good I can at- do that for you. Why not? Yeah. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Not bad right there, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Chris Russo is with me here. It is a pleasure to chat with you anytime we get a chance to catch up, particularly when we have sort of juicy baseball topics to get into, and I want to dive into two of them with you. Let's start with unwritten rules. That's always something that comes up in the sport from time to time, and it came up in a big way this week involving Tony Larusa, your mean Mercedes. I assume that most people know the scenario that we're talking about here. Larusa getting a lot of criticism for not backing his own player. Regardless of which side of the debate you were on, a lot of people are very upset with Larusa for not defending his player publicly, including Chris. I'm not sure if you've heard this, but I want to play you CC Sabathia from the R2C2 podcast. Listen to Sabathia talking about Larusa. Tony Larusa's out of touch with the game, cuz. I'm sorry. The is terrible. He shouldn't be managing that team. And if you're not going to step up and have your players back, what's the point of being the manager of the White Sox? So that, that I thought was very interesting. I just want to give you the floor. What is your take on the whole thing, uh, and in particular about Larusa and the way he handled it? Well, number one, Sabathia is the same guy that if you butted on him when he had bad knees, would throw at you the next time to send a little message. So, I mean, Sabathia talking about old school, new school, he was, and I love him as a competitor, don't get me wrong, but he was rough as a starting pitcher. Go ask the race. That's the first thing. Second thing, Mike, I am shocked. Uh, I guess I'm not because I have 19-year-olds and they're all over me too, but I am shocked at everybody killing LaRusso on a social media platform. The man, uh, Mercedes, he blew off a take sign. 
Not only that, LaRusso was at the top step of the dugout screaming to him when he thought maybe he was going to ignore his take sign from his third base coach, don't swing. And the guy swings and hits a home run with an 11-run lead in the top of the ninth inning. And that's completely out of line. When the manager tells you not to do something, he'll do it. Case closed. Secondly, did you see the – I'm sure you did. Did you see the ESPN stat? 557 occurrences in the last two decades where a guy was up on a 3-0 pitch with a 10-run lead. Do you know in the last two decades, none of those previous batters swung? Mercedes swung. So in the last two decades, there wasn't one player who ever swung in a 3-0 pitch with a 10-run lead, and this kid does it the other day? Oh, you got to be kidding me. And as far as LaRusso after the game, A, we killed the managers when they're not open to the media. He had spoken to the player before he talked to the media. He gets asked a question, and LaRusso gives him an answer. So we're supposed to kill LaRusso now for being honest? And I'm so tired of hearing these players, these soft players, show some toughness. My goodness gracious. You know what? He got on the player. He made a mistake. He said he shouldn't have done it. It's unsportsmanlike. I happen to agree with him. Player will get over it. What are they, kids? Sure, I mean, you know, the manager got on you a little bit. Get over it. It's not the end of the world. I, it's, I cannot get over this. And furthermore, I don't want to hear anything about LaRusso there where he can't manage. Nonsense. He's a Hall of Fame manager. They got the best record. Well, they did into the Giants. They had the best record in Major League Baseball. They came back and beat the Twins in a rubber game of the series a day and a half later. And last year, Minnesota, uh, the White Sox, excuse me, collapsed. They lost seven or eight in a row late in the year. They blew the division. They finished in the, sev- in the seventh hole in the, in the expanded playoffs and then fell apart against the A's, who never win a series in a wild card round. So all of a sudden now, they got the wrong guy managing the team. Renneria got fired because of that, for crying out. I mean, it's anyway, you don't think LaRusso can manage? It's one of the great managers, not in, in the history of the sport. Forget Joe McCarthy and Stengel and even Torrey, who was given great teams to work with and just manage the teams. LaRusso's won in three or four different places. He won in the White Sox. He won in St. Louis. He won a championship in Oakland. I mean, this is a guy who's been a, he's been a great manager. I am amazed, Mike. I really am at the social media outrage that somehow LaRusso is out of touch. He's lost. He lost, the, you know, he's lost his team. That's another thing about losing a team. How does anybody who's in the media knows he's lost a team? Nobody's been in a locker room in 15 months. <laughs> I hear everybody say, well, he's lost the locker room. How, how do you know that? <laughs> I mean, you're not in the locker room. You don't know what's going on in a locker I mean, trying to get the temperature of a team in a locker room on a once-in-a-while Zoom call 2,000 miles away, the New York Post yesterday, the, the White Sox locker room is fractured. How the hell does the New York Post know? They don't follow the White Sox on a day-to-day basis. So uh, I am, I'm, I, again, I know I'm out there with it. I know most people go the other way. But here is the bottom line. What, you think you do this with Belichick? How about Popovich? You think Popovich would stand for this? When the manager tells you not to swing twice and you defy him and you swing, I can't, I can't, I can't accept that. That's the bottom line, and I can't accept it. There's a lot there. I mean, I, I agree with so much of what you said, and I don't know that everyone disagrees with you. You're so, I, mean, I, I understand what, what you're hearing, and, and you and I have kids the same age and all the rest of that, but I think more people agree with you than you think. Greeny and the great Chris Russo, who is with me. Quickly on that, before I move to the next thing, Yankees-White Sox this weekend is a big series. I know the records don't say it, but I, I, 
I think conventional wisdom says those are the two best teams in the American League. What do you think? Who do you think is the best team in the American I League? I think you're 100% right, Greeny. You're on top of it. That's a very good series. That series has a lot of spark. I think the fact that the Yankees are playing well, they won six, seven series in a row. I think the White Sox coming in here off this little controversy, first place. Uh, you know, the American League's got a lot of bad teams. You know, Detroit, Kansas City, they're not good right now. Obviously, Seattle's not good. The Orioles stink. I mean, there's a lot of the Indians. You know, there's not a lot of great teams. The Angels are bad. This has got a little sex appeal. I'm with you. There'll be more fans. I think you're going to hear people boo La Russa, which adds a little excitement to it. Cole's going to pitch. There's a lot to like about this series, and I think it's an interesting little test. Um, you know, I think that we'll know a little more about both these clubs on Monday. I don't think anybody has to, you know, win a series. It's not imperative, but I, you, you want to see three competitive games, uh, no blowouts, and you don't want to see a sweep. And I think if you get that, I think you're going to come away impressed with both teams. I think it's, you hit it right on the head. There haven't been, you know, the Padres-Dodgers the first two weekends, which ESPN was all over, and this series. This is, a, this is the next best series we've had in baseball the first six, seven weeks of the year. Greeny and Chris Russo with me here on ESPN Radio. Next topic, I wanted to get your thought on all of the no-hitters. And, and I'll play, for those who haven't heard it, Clayton Kershaw, after the second of what were back-to-back no-hitters, meaning on consecutive nights, we had no-hitters thrown in the majors. So we've already had six so far this year. The all-time record is eight, which was set in the 19th century. So in the, the late 1800s. So it's literally been that long. Clayton Kershaw said this. Oh, it's not good. Um, I'll tell you that. I think... Uh... Whatever the intention was with the new ball or whatever it may be, it's it really hasn't done anything. No hitters are cool, and no, like you know, I, I have all the respects in the world for Corey Kluber and Bum and all those guys that have thrown no hitters. Um, but to have one happen every night, it seems like is not is probably not good for the game. Probably not good for the game, says Clayton Kershaw. What does Chris Russo think? One hundred percent agree. I'm glad I thought Kershaw would go the other way. And Bumgarner is not a no hitter. He's only went seven innings. I know mm-hmm. you think it is. That's a Everybody knows the rule. It was put there in 91. Uh, yeah, I, I happen to agree with Kershaw 100%. I mean, uh, think about it there, Michael. The Indians are hitting 212 as a team. Seattle's hitting 198. And those two teams have been no-hit four times, two apiece. Texas was swinging from their fannies every pitch against Kluber the other night. And I don't want to knock the Turnbulls of Detroit and Wade Miley. I don't want, I'm not looking to do that either. But to sit there and say that these no-hitters, part of it is uh, not applied to the idea that nobody can hit, you'd be, you, you're mistaken. Uh, the offense is they're hitting 236. The team, the sport is as a, in the league this year. The all-time low is 237. That was with the 68 uh, team, and that's when they, of course, the league, and that's when they changed the rules about the mound. So that's, they're worse than that. And that was in 68 when Gibson led the, ER, uh, led the sport with a 1.12 ERA. I, I have a major problem with him. It takes away the specialness of the no-hitter. There's going to be four or five more this year. Um, you know, there's 300 and I think there's 315 no-hitters in the history of the sport. There are only like about 24, 25 perfect games, uh, which is to me much more interesting. But I am with Kershaw. I don't know how you feel about it. But uh, the no-hitter to me, it's almost like, all right, guys got to – it's almost like now, you know, in the old days, you made sure you put the television on when you heard there was a no-hitter in the seventh, eighth inning. Uh, do you feel you have to do that now? I mean, that, that, uh, that, that Kluber no-hitter occurred during that Laker-Golden State game, which had six million viewers, by the way, on your network. That was a great game. Uh, did you go out there and run to, uh, to Kluber to make sure you saw the end of that, or did you stick with Curry and LeBron? 
So I think that is a problem, and I would have done a Kluber, and I did, but most people wouldn't because of the fact they've seen, it's been there, done that. So I think it is a problem. I think baseball realizes it's a problem. The no-hitter has lost its specialness, and then it has to change. So, so, I, so if you do want my opinion, we, I, I, I agree and disagree, which is to say I think that what you're talking about, and this is the way I described it yesterday, the way the issues that we have with offense in baseball right now, let's call that the disease. I agree that's a problem. The additional no-hitters are a symptom of that. I have less of a concern about that because I still do think there is a specialness. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. We had this conversation yesterday. Hembo, who sits next to me, told me that people there were some people who were critical of Michael Kay for being enthusiastic in his call of the final out of a no-hitter. And I said on the air, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. If the play-by-play announcer is not going to be excited about the final out of a no-hitter, what should he be excited about? I still do believe that there is excitement in a no-hitter. Maybe up against LeBron and Steph is one thing, Chris. But generally speaking, I still, if I hear there's a no-hitter going on, maybe it isn't exactly the same as it would have felt a few years ago, but I'm still going to go over and see what's going on. I don't feel like it's lost its specialness. Uh, I love Kay, and he did a great job calling in. I think people are having an issue with the word immortality Mm. because, you know, I mean, is Wade Miley an immortal because he threw a (laughs) no-hitter? I mean... I, I think that I think that from what I heard with my buddies, that was the word that drove them. That they said, "Geez, really?" That, but again, I, I don't want to go there. But I think that's where the overzealousness came with with that with that call. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could go that way if you wish. Uh, I do think there's a big component with this offense. They got to do so- the bigger picture, Mike, is they got to do something about getting more balls in play, and they got to generate some offense. The relievers are too good. Everybody throws 100 miles an hour. They do four or five relievers in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Everybody's trying to hit the ball nine miles. The launch angle and all those things. They don't hit the ball where it's pitched. They don't go the opposite way. I mean, I saw a Kuna the other night against the Mets. Now, I know he hit the homer the next day to win it, but did you know the night before they were down two runs and he was leading off the ninth against Diaz? And I think Freeman was up next. He's down two runs. It's 2-0. and and he swings, mm. and he pops up. Now, I, I, what are you kidding me? Take a strike, because you've got to get on base to get the tying run to the plate. And that's the sort of thing I think that drives uh, uh, he wants to hit a home run. But a home run there is not necessary. So I do think that the offense has, is not playing properly in certain spots. I know people scream about this shift, and you shouldn't have this shift. It takes a lot of hit away. Well, if they're shifting, go the other way for crying out loud. You know, if, if a left-hand hitter, go to left field. But, you know, the data, the young kid, you know, who drives a Schwinn bike with uh, the UCLA sweatshirt on, going to Dodger <laughs> Stadium and looking at his computer all day, I mean, they've taken over baseball. And that's, I think that is a major problem. And I think you probably agree. You can't have the sport hitting 236. I mean, gee whiz. Seattle's hitting 198. The Indians are 212. I mean, if you were hitting 212 in Little League, Mike, you're not playing. You got kids, you know that. You're not playing. You got to hit better than that. It is embarrassing. You have to admit. We need to do this as often as we possibly can. Chris, it is a pleasure. Thank you very much for making some time here. Look forward to the show this afternoon, and we will talk again soon. Have a great weekend.
Hey, hey, great job for you coming on there 10 days ago. I needed it with the draft. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. Anytime you okay. call. Yeah, thank you, my friend. That's Chris Russo with me here on the Goodyear Hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. A uh, little quick background story. So Chris and I live near each other. We live in, in adjacent towns in suburban Connecticut, and our kids are similar in age. And they both, at least one of his sons plays basketball, one of them who lines up in age with my son, Stephen. So I would see him. For a while. So we got to be friendly. I never really knew him at the apex of the Mike and the Mad Dog thing because I was a kid and I started in Chicago and then came to ESPN. So I was not part of that scene, the New York media scene, when when that was at its height. Um, so I met him many years later uh, here but uh, and, and, and all of that. But I wonder if there were some people, certainly anyone in New York who listens to sports radio knows him. He's he's inimitable. People around the country, well, he has a big show now, and, and he does very well on Sirius XM, but I'm sure there are many people who were hearing him who did not know him well. I wonder if you hear any of my delivery in him, because there's no question some of my delivery comes from him. Like, I, I was influenced heavily by two people in this, uh, or, or by two separate places. One of them was Chris Russo, and the other one was the guys that I worked with at the, at, at the radio station in Chicago. When we started the radio station in Chicago in 92, the first all-sports station, which is now the competitor of the station that, that is the ESPN station in town, um, I was a producer, and I worked for all the different hosts, and I learned a lot from each of them. So that's where I really learned hmm. like little pieces of what I do here, and that's how I sort of got the first ideas for what I would bring You know, when Mike and I got together and we started Mike and Mike. The delivery, though, the way Chris says things, the way he will every now and again make a little point that if you want to take a little but 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 do that, and then he's got just a little bit of a but but, and then we do this, like I do that, and and I I don't think I took that from him on purpose. Like I think there were some things, like like this is going to be a ridiculous analogy to make, but I think some you know if you're a musician and you're sort of um, influenced by someone mm. else's. Music without even meaning to be, but like this is what you listen to, and so like when you're trying to write music, like it sort of comes out like that, even if you don't mean for it to. So I'm not, I don't ever sit and think to myself, oh, I'm going to do a Chris Russo imitation right now. I mean, if I do like that, hello, I get everybody, but but I mean, if I'm actually just talking, but I hear it myself every now and again if I'm trying to make a point, and I will look over to Mr. Hembo, and I will say, you know. Blah, blah, blah. And then he did this. And then we did that. That is that's Chris. And I'm not doing it on purpose, but I hear it myself. I listen back to the podcast almost every day, you know, because I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, being a solo show is very different from what I've done most of my career. So I'm still figuring this out. And every now and again, I will hear myself go off on one of those things. And Nuno, do you hear it? I mean, you are a, a Mike and the Mad Dog like uh, disciple, if you will. Do you hear it when I'm doing that? Do you? Because I'll hear it and I'll think to myself, "Geez, I sound just like Russo." When I, I mean, obviously our voices couldn't be more different. We're very different stylistically. But do you hear what I'm talking about? Yeah, there are times where I'm like, okay, like you can pick up on it if you listen to or grew up listening to uh, Mike and the Mad Dog. Yeah, it, 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 I don't do it again. I don't do it on purpose. But I hear it. I don't even know I'm doing it when I'm doing it. But I hear it back. There's just a little bit of that. This, and then, you know, and, and, and that, what you just heard from him there. I mean, when he gets going. Oh, just, my God. <laughs> the energy, it's unmatchable. Like, Mike, I don't know Mike Francesa at all. But what I would ask him if, if I had the opportunity is, like, how did you try, how did you meet that energy? Like, when Mike and I were together all those years, like, our energy was very similar. We were both high energy 
but neither one of us was like that. I mean, he's he's like an explosion. Like I, when he finishes his thought, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I want to be. It's like Stephen A. Sometimes when Stephen A. goes crazy, or or like Chris, their their energy is so high, I just don't know what to say. Literally, I'm like in other news, uh, you know, and and you want to match it, but I just don't know how to do it. I, I, I can't get I can't get up there. I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to say. I lose. I disagree with you. I mean, I don't even know. So anyway, all right. Good fun. Uh, I enjoyed that very much. I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did here. And you should have seen the look on Hembo's face when Chris Russo cited a statistic that Hembo first sent around. That number on ESPN that he's referring to about how no one had ever swung at that pitch, that came from Hembo. He tweeted it. He gave it to all of the hosts that's here. Right. It wound up on ESPN's broadcast, and that's how Chris Russo saw it. You should have seen the pride on Hembo's face. When people ask me, like, what is the most rewarding thing that I do? It's when I come up with a note that someone else will regurgitate to me and not know that I was the one that came up with it. All so right. that's exactly what just happened. Now we're really getting somewhere. Okay, uh, we didn't do any of the other things I had planned to do there, but it was well worth the detour. Our conversation will continue in just a moment after this word from 303 Products. Are you looking for professional-level protection for your car's paint, but without the cost that you would pay a professional detailer? Well, I've got good news for you. New revolutionary 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating provides just that. It's 12 months of protection with a simple mode of application. You can do it yourself in no time it leaves your car's finish with insane levels of shine and depth plus the water beating is crazy your car will never look better it also helps to keep your car looking that way longer too the layer of protection helps to repel dust and fights off water spotting it does this by making water shed quickly from the surface and lowering the surface temperature so the water doesn't end up drying right there on the paint it's also great to use on your car's glass wheels and trim it's now available at all advanced auto parts and pep boys locations nationwide or you can learn more by visiting 303radio.com. Back in a flash, ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
Greeny, the podcast. My name is Greeny. Did you know that getting rid of those black streaks on your roof with Spray and Forget is as easy as literally spraying and forgetting about it? Spray and Forget, it's that easy. Uh, Greeny with you here. Uh, that was fun with Chris Russo there. I, I just thought of something. I want to get into this um, controversy, if you will, about what Nate McMillan said in a second. But what is the segment that Jalen and Jacoby do where, where they say boss move or soft move? Or soft move? I almost want to say this wouldn't be soft move. Is it boss move or jerk move? So, so Tony Larusa's now legendary line when they asked him about Lance Lynn's criticism, <laughs> and Tony basically said, "That's why he has a locker and I have an office." So, like, if we were to have a disagreement, like, would this be a boss move or the ultimate jerk move? If you and I disagree about something significantly here, and I say, "Well, that's why you have a cubicle and I have an office." <laughs> Would that be, I'm looking over at Brandon, would that be a boss move or would that make me the biggest jerk in the entire world? Jerk, yeah. <laughs> Brandon, with a very, with a very, defi- I agree. Like, I, I couldn't even say the words. It was, I, I was trying to get it out as an example and I couldn't even say it because you have to, you would have to be such a jerk to say that. Yeah, but so Tony, why is it different when Tony does it? Because he just he, he has run out of give-up leaps. Like he just essentially is out of those. He's almost 80 years old. He's in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't care what Lance Lynn has to Not say Not only that, but, 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 but what he's saying is, like, the manager is not by definition. That means I get to make rules and he has to follow them. But he's not necessarily putting himself above Lance Lynn. Like, I have to guess Lance, well, this year, certainly, Lance Lynn is making more money than Tony La Russa oh, yeah. <laughs> is. And Tony La Russa, in the 40 years he's been managing, has made less money than Lance Lynn has made. That's right. So I don't, I think it's not as much of a social commentary. So one way or another, sorry I even brought it up. You have to be a complete jerk to say that. And, uh, and we will move on from that. Okay. So what is the old line that they would give you? Honesty is the best policy? That is not applicable if you are an NBA coach. Nate McMillan, coach of the Hawks, getting set to take on the Knicks in round one, says he knows that the league is very interested, or this is his perspective, is interested in the Knicks being good and and winning and that he is instructing his players as such. The league wants this. They need this. You know, a New York, you know, this is a big market and it's a big market uh, for the league. And uh, New York has been out of the playoffs for a number of years. And, uh, you know, this is the team that our league, you know, they want to see, you know, there's a huge fan base. They want to see New York in the playoffs. And so as a consequence for saying that, Nick McMillan Got fined $25,000. I haven't heard this yet, but Adam Silver, the commissioner, was on KJZ on ESPN Radio this morning. I was on TV at the same time, so I didn't hear it. But he addressed why McMillan got fined for that. Here's what the commissioner said. Nate's a veteran coach. I mean, he knows better. I mean, he's trying to inspire his team to suggest that the league somehow would prefer some teams over others. And it's just not the case. And he knows it. And he's got a young team and he just wants to get them going. Okay, I'm totally comfortable with that answer from Adam. I'm totally comfortable. In my opinion, no one did anything wrong here, which is to say Nate McMillan, A, he's telling the truth. Of course, everyone, the, the, the people who make, who, the people who have a, a vested interest in this would prefer to see the Knicks go on. The, the reason that they have to find coaches for saying this is because of the perception that it goes beyond the league wanting to see the Knicks win to the league orchestrating the Knicks winning, 
which I am here to tell you does not happen, has not happened, all this conspiracy theory, all that kind of stuff. It's always been nonsense, but it has always existed, and it became a legit problem for the NBA. To some degree, I suppose it still is. In a sport where the officiating is as subjective as the sport is in that, as, as the, it is in that sport, you're always going to have people, oh, this guy gets all the calls, and yeah, whatever it is. The point is, Nate McMillan is not wrong. The league is not wrong for finding him. I have zero issue with any of what happened here. Uh, it's a busy day for hashtag Nuno. How about you? Do you have a problem with McMillan saying what he said? Do you have a problem with him getting fined? Do you have a problem with Adam's response? Do you have a problem with any of it? No, I think he has to do it. Plus, you got to remember, the Hawks, even in their home games, that crowd is going to be a New York-centric crowd. Yeah. So, like, I think he's just trying to do what's best for his team. Correct. So what, what's, let's analyze the psychology of the message. Bubba, uh, many may not know this, but Bubba, in addition to his very lucrative career in radio production, is actually a practicing psychologist. And, and, and so you do know, you see patients, I know, on, a, on your off time. Um, what is the psychology? Why is Nate McMillan telling his players the league wants the Knicks to beat us? Well, he's just want to get the message out that everyone's against us. No one wants us to win. And... Uh... Let's get ready, boys. Let's do this. This, this, this is the, the win-win for the Gipper speech is what you're saying. Nate McMillan is sending that message yeah, through the, the media. The league doesn't even want us to win. So why would anyone want us to win? But we're going to go against the league. Adam Silver doesn't want us to win, but let's, let's show Adam Silver and win. It is uniting against the common enemy. I like it. I like the psychology of it. I have no issue with it. I think of all the first-round matchups, that's actually the most intriguing. It's the one I would be least surprised regardless of which way it goes. Nothing that could happen in that series would particularly surprise me. Uh, meanwhile, coming up next, I will answer the question everyone on the golf course asked me yesterday. That's right after this on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.